Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. Welcome to the Paranormal or What podcast with me, your host, Michaela Ford. How's your week been this week? Has it been hard? Has it been tiring? Well, I have to let you into a secret. Mine has. I've had an awful virus this week. Not COVID, thank goodness, but quite flooring nonetheless. So I'm really glad to be here with you this evening. So come on in. Draw up a chair, put your feet up and pour yourself a drink. Let me tell you what we've got for you this week. Well, what a treat I've got for you. This week I've been interviewing Ash and Greg from the Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast. And we had a really good time talking about UFOs, cryptids, you name it, we talked about it. So without further ado... Snuggle down and enjoy the show. See you in a while. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Ash and Greg from the Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hey, Michael, I'm good. I'm not too bad. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Hiya. You all right, Greg? Yeah, well, all good. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, I've got lots of things to ask you about. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now, and um, so I've got lots and lots of questions, so I hope you don't mind that. Um, but I do, I, I always start with one particular question, um, and I'll ask you both this, which is, what initially made you interested in the paranormal? So let's have Greg. Okay, so when I was growing up, I used to get freaked out watching programs by someone called Arthur C. Clarke. He used to have a program, I think it was called World of Mysteries. And um, I used to watch weird stuff on there when I was younger and it used to just freak me out. There was one particular one about poltergeists. Um, and I think it just from there, it um, spurred my interest on um, and then moved into UFOs and, and all that kind of stuff. But primarily it started with that and I used to get scared watching those programs. I was only eight or nine. So, yeah, I remember that program. It was really spooky. Yeah. Um, what about you, Ash? Uh, well, my, my main interest has always been in UFO side of the paranormal. And that stems back to a UFO sighting that I had when I was 10 years old. So we had this unusual sighting. And then from there, I sort of got interested in trying to find out what it was that I saw. And I started watching uh, documentaries on VHS from the library that I could uh, rent out. And then X-Files started getting popular. So I started watching that. And then that's just led to basically a lifetime of interest and in looking in the skies for UFOs. And then the last couple of years, uh, been sort of getting more into the paranormal after again another experience about three years ago, like a ghost experience, and then so so that's opened me up to the other side of the paranormal. Whereas before then it was just UFOs. Yeah. After that experience and the ghost side of things a couple of years ago, I'm now open to the whole paranormal realm. Really. Okay, so well, I've got to ask you then, what was the UFO sighting? So it was in 1997. Um, I know the, the, the year, I know how, how old it was, because it's when Haley's Comet was oh, visible, yeah. or the Halebot Comet, whichever one it was, in 97. And it was, it was visible quite a few months in the sky, and we'd go out quite a lot when it was a clear sky and have a look at the comet. And it was just one of the nights we were out in the streets, probably four or five adults, and all the kids 
and we look at the comet, and all of a sudden we all saw what looked like uh, triangle shapes. So three looked like three stars in a triangle shape, but they're just moving from one part of the sky all the way across the sky to the other. It took about 40 seconds, 45 seconds to go across the whole sky. Wow. There's a clear triangle shape with three lights in its corner. Um, and that we were all like, all the adults were like, we don't know what that was. It wasn't a plane. And since then, I've just been wanting to find out what it was and what else is up there. Wow. Gosh. So do you think it was watching the comet then? Possibly. It seems to come from that direction in, the, in that part of the sky. That's how we noticed it at first. It was like lower than the stars. And you could see like it was a clear... No, you couldn't really see the colour of it, but you could tell that there was sort of an outline. So yeah. like the sky behind where it was travelling got darker when it was travelling, like when we were watching it. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely something unusual. And before then, I had sort of no interest. And then since then, it's just been wanting to find that more. And that's my only UFO sighting. That was 24 years ago. And wow. still waiting for the second one. And what's your, um, what was your ghostly encounter more recently? Uh, so I was in a, a local pub in Northwich and uh, got the Lord Eldon in. And we were just there having playing a poker night. One night we used to go every week and play on the poker night. And I was just sat at the poker table. And there was about five of us in this room. And where we played poker, it was like in the back room. So no reason to come in there unless you were playing poker. You couldn't go beyond this room. There's no other door out, no toilets or anything. So it's just basically the one door in and out. Yeah. So one of the guys that was playing left and said bye to everyone and left. And a couple of minutes later, in my peripheral vision I could see the door and I saw the door open and somebody walk in and I thought it was this guy coming back in he'd left something or whatever so I saw this guy walk in through the door and come and stand behind me and I heard him say something but we were playing poker wasn't really paying much attention but no one else in the room sat at the poker table sort of reacted to him so I, not, I didn't want to be rude to someone that's just said something to the table because everyone seems to be ignoring him. So I turned to look over from the right shoulder and there's no one there. <laughs> so I looked like around the table, I was like, did, did Dave just come back in? He's like, no, no, he's coming. Because that like one of the girls was sat opposite the door. She's like, no, no one's coming. And I was like, someone just came in and stood behind me. And I heard him, didn't hear what he said, but I just heard him say something. Like, we just sort of aware of someone being stood there. Um, and yeah, that was it. My mate looked at me and asked if I was okay. She, she said to me, you look like you've just seen a ghost. And I said, <laughs> I, I think it just have. Because um, that was just, it's just a clear as day. I saw someone come in, walk behind me, said something, and I looked and there's, there's, there's nobody there. Wow, that is spooky. I have to say, I had a spooky encounter in a, a pub in Germany once where I saw a, a ghost dog. Um, oh. And I didn't even realise it was a ghost dog until it walked through the closed door. <laughs> I sort of oh. sat and went, ah! But have you had any ghostly encounters, Greg? Uh, several. I um, I belong to a paranormal group as well. Um, I was doing a podcast. So <clears throat> I've, uh, over the years, sort of been involved in investigations and, and seen some, some strange things. But one of the... The main ones is I was at the Ancient Ram Inn uh, on an investigation and we were sat down doing a Ouija board, um, sort of in the, one of the main rooms, and all of a sudden the Ouija board from underneath, we were sat in a circle away from the, the sort of the table as such, and from underneath um, like the Ouija board just shot up into the air mm. as though somebody had whacked it from underneath. Um, so that was quite weird. Um, I've done, I've been into a house that was owned by uh, my grandparents. My my granddad had died, and my nan had was just going into a care home, um, so they were selling her house. So we were we were looking at the clearing out the the house to, and getting it ready for sale. And I said to my mum, "Would you mind if I set up the camera and my voice recorder and just have a go around and just see if I can." pick up anything because my granddad and um, my great nan and an uncle died in the house so uh, I was in one of the bedrooms uh, which was the the main bedroom uh, so my grandparents were in there my granddad actually died in that room and um, as we came in my daughter came in with me and we closed the door behind us 
door opened almost immediately afterwards. So my daughter looked looked round the, the door and closed it again and walked over to me. She was a bit freaked out, so she said, I, I just want to go. So I was like, yep, off you go. And as soon as she said she wanted to go, the door opened before she even got to it. So I went and closed it. And again, not really thinking anything too weird was happening. And then it opened again. So I closed it. And it was kind of like a weird old house. So it was quite stiff, the door. So to, for it to open was quite weird anyway. Um, and I was doing some EVPs and, and whatnot. Um, and I sort of said, thank you for your time. And I, I went, I said, I'm, I'm off now. Thanks for your time. It, I'll listen to the, the voice recorder and see if you've answered any of my questions. And I walked off out the room. Upon reviewing the footage afterwards, as I'd said goodbye and I was I was leaving, um, an orb or some kind of bright light appears on the camera. I didn't see it and goes in like a sweeping motion around the room and out the door. And then wow. moments later, I follow the same path. It's a bit like um, Danny D uh, Donnie Darko, the film. Yeah, he sort of projects a thing out of his stomach and it it goes in the route that he's going to take. It was very Gosh. similar to that. But yeah, so that was quite weird. I've got got loads from where we've been doing the paranormal investigations part of our team. So it sounds yeah, very exciting. Wow. Do yeah. you ever feel scared? Because I find that um, I often don't feel scared when I have these paranormal experiences. I just think, did that really happen? So no, I don't. Um, I thought I would do the first time I went on a, like an investigation, but was weirdly quite calm. The only time I've got really freaked out was when me and Ash um, went to the um, Castle Ring at Cannock Chase. Oh yes, I saw that. Yeah, um, and that was the only time that I've really felt like I didn't really want to be there towards the end. Ash was feeling the same. Abby, was, <laughs> who was with us, where we were like, let's we just. I think we should just go now <laughs> and that's that's the first time that i felt really quite weird and and, and freaked out yeah oh. wow but do yeah. you get scared ash no um not generally when they had that experience in the pub uh, it was more like a bit of a, a bit of a shock like what's just happened they didn't feel scared it felt like i just don't know what's happened and uh, going on investigations uh, i started sort of doing that the last six months or so going into the more of the paranormal investigation side of things like we can kind of chase with Greg. And last week I went down to Suffolk and uh, Wembley Forest and around Oh, there yes, doing... I've got some questions about that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't go into it too much then. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so, but I felt like generally I I can be a bit of a, um, get quite freaked out quite easy on my own and I can be in the forest or in the middle of summer at night on my own. I can get a bit on edge. But when I've been doing the investigation stuff, I've been pretty calm and just felt comfortable. Apart yeah. from that time where, like Greg said, at Canic Chase, where it just felt like something was telling us to leave. Like it's like we weren't welcome. That's what it felt like. Oh, in, in that area. So we just hightailed it out of there pretty much. We did. <laughs> <laughs> so, am I right in thinking that you both um, do the podcast from different locations? Yeah, I'm in so Manchester. And Greg's in Oxford. Right. So how did all that happen then? Over to how you. did you start the podcast <laughs> from completely so, different places together? Okay, so I'll, I'll say it then. Um, <laughs> so me and Ash, uh, Ash has got a history of playing poker and, and working at casinos. And I've got a history of playing online poker as well. And um, we were admins of the same poker group on Facebook. So we would just, uh, there'd be an admin chat and we were just talking about people on the page and what we were going to do as a page and whatnot. And one day Ash had put up his website address um, about UFOs. I was like, oh, I'm into to UFOs. So we, we just sort of briefly chatted um, and I talked about the paranormal group. And then I messaged Ash and said, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. Do you fancy doing one? And literally within two weeks we had a website we were up on facebook we had the first podcast released and yeah it's 
the rest nearly is history. Nearly <laughs> a year down the yeah. line, yeah. Before, before that, we haven't even really spoke much, even in the poker yeah. chat, like because yeah. there's about six or seven admins, so we only sort of made a passing talk. Mm-hmm. It's literally barely spoke before this, and then now we've spoken like three or four times a week. <laughs> a week, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that was not the answer I was expecting. That's really interesting. Oh, gosh. A paranormal podcast um, made out of gambling. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and, we've, and we've only met each other once in real life. It's really? Been at, at Canic Chase, yeah. At, at Canic Chase, yeah. That was the wow. first time. Wow, so you've got a really good rapport together. Um, my next th- thing that I was going to say, actually, was that you both seem very tech savvy. Um, I've been really impressed with the kind of the output that you have and the music and all that sort of stuff. I sit here um, doing my tiny little podcast in envy going, how do they learn all those things? Um, so are you really into all the tech stuff or is it just one of you that's more into the tech than the other? Well, Greg kind of sorted out the intro stuff and sort of the editing. I used to do the editing, but they've had issues mm-hmm. in computers of Greg's kind of took over. But I mean, it's just been a learning process. When we first started, it would take us two hours to record 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> it took us baby. weeks to, yeah. Uh, but now we sort of just, been, like, because we've done it, we've done basically an episode every week since last December. Um, so we just sort of just gone with it, learned as we've gone. Um, I still, we still say I don't know how to fix this. So <laughs> like, like the issue we had before we started the show, just Google it and see what, see what happens. Yeah, you've done really well, actually. I'm really impressed with you being able to do an episode a week. I haven't, which is probably why I haven't got very many listeners, but that's fine with me. It's just a hobby for me. Um, But it is, you have to be really quite rigid, don't you? And and make sure that it's there for the listeners about the same time every week. And I think that's probably um, a testament to the success that you've had over the last year. Yeah, so we, we try and release it. A sort of midnight on Monday night, so like just going into Tuesday. Sometimes it's it's, it's normally, for, if it's not at that point, it's just after that we release it. Um, and yeah, it, as you know, it's it's an absolute mission to get an episode ready. Uh, we tried to get many episodes in advance ready yeah, to go, so, and that's never happened. <laughs> um, so we yeah and we we've been able we've been lucky enough to get a couple of episodes a week sometimes um put out some but sort of bonus episodes but we we try and stick rigid to the the once a week and it it is yeah. it is a challenge i think having two of us helps because if there's it's like just me on my own a lot of times it does been oh, i can't be bothered then once miss one week you miss another week and then you sort of just fall by the way so because of two of us if i'm particularly busy that week I know Greg could pick up some of the work. If Greg, likewise, if Greg's busy, I'm always there to do so. So we do sort of work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm on sometimes just to make sure we get the interviews, get the editing done, get the episodes published. Yeah. Or new guests and new new research that we're doing. But yeah. it is, it is it's like a full-time job sometimes. To be yeah, honest. it's a labour of love, but you seem to be um, reaping the benefits at the moment. So you've been nominated for the 2021 Paranormal Podcast Awards in the Alien and UFO category. Congratulations! That's brilliant. After only a year, that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, we we were completely completely shocked by that. To be completely honest, um, yeah, especially with some of the names that we're up against, mm-hmm. like some of the, the the really really big podcasts, just be yeah. alongside them, just like wow, like how how are we alongside these and in, in the nominations? Like it's. Uh, but we had a privilege to to be nominated. Yeah. So what do you go on? You've got to blow your own trumpets now. What do you attribute your success to so far? Um, well, I think because we put one out regularly, we um, we're true to ourselves. We we started off um, with certain subjects. We we talk to each other a lot about what we're going to do in the coming weeks, but we, we try and do stuff that's interesting to ourselves. We yeah. tried to do um, episodes that maybe not quite as well known. Um, well, I know we've done the Enfield part guys recently, but that, that was because we had the, uh, it was coming up to the 44th anniversary. Yeah. We've done one, one about Rendlesham forest cause it was the 40th anniversary, but most of the other, episodes have been around 
topics, subjects, cases that not necessarily are quite so well known. So yeah. it, I think it's given us an opportunity to air some of the lesser known um, cases from from things. So like our first episode was about Yowie um, and like an Australian Bigfoot type cryptid. Yeah. And before that, I didn't even know that it existed. I've got relatives in Australia and he thought it was a chocolate bar. Which it is. It is actually well. a chocolate bar, I know. Yeah, but he, he wasn't aware of it as well. So it's just, well, I think we've been fortunate enough to to speak with people and talk about subjects that are not necessarily high profile. Yeah. So how do you decide what you're going to do and who to interview, or is it just through chatting and then you go, oh, what about this person? Should we try and get in touch with them, or how does it work really? Yeah, so no, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had we like a lot of time. We just like reach out to people on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, some big names. Um, like I always a particular book that I've read that well, I wouldn't mind talking to the author. Uh, just reach out, try and get them on. But like say the it's, it's topics that we're passionate about, and it mm-hmm. like because we want to learn as well. So if something that wasn't interested in then. I could say that probably wouldn't really work as well because it's something we're both interested in, passionate about and learning more. Because like my eyes have been opened so much to so many different possibilities in the last nine months. Some of the stuff we talk about, I wouldn't even have dreamt about yeah. um, like previously. I wouldn't even like, even give a second thought to think, no, that can't exist, that can't be a thing. But the more we're talking to people and like say you listen to other podcasts and I think that topic's interesting, I might try and look into it a bit deeper. And sort of get another perspective on that topic that I've heard another podcast. And we yeah. Just, yeah, try and reach out to different people and some of them come on. Yeah, and I found out, um, and I think from your guests, you must too, that this, um, the paranormal community are all very good at um, being friendly and helping each other out and saying yes to things. Do you find that as well? Yeah, yeah. Um a lot of the people we've spoken to have been so nice um it's it's a, uh, amazing to to hear some of the tales that people are are talking to us about considering they they don't even know us um and some people just use it as an outlet to get their story out but a lot of the paranormal uh community have been been really helpful to us and uh, we've made quite a few close sort of contacts that can help us out with sending footage to sending videos to to have a little look at and get their opinion and yeah yeah we've been really lucky so do you get quite a lot of people emailing or sending you voice messages and videos and things do they have you got kind of loads of stuff coming in from people going help this is happening sort of thing yeah we we, from time to time we do get quite a few um accounts coming in i guess uh would be the word some like i say pretty open-minded some of the stuff we get coming in you just I'll sit down just like my mind's just been blown if like anything of this if one percent of what this guy has just told us is true then like the world has changed um, <laughs> some you know, obviously a lot of them are more um more usual stuff that people send the videos of orbs videos of ufos uh just us accounts of like noises in the house and stuff like this and they, sometimes you ask for help. Sometimes you just want to tell someone. I like, don't want don't want to be in the shell. They don't want to publicize it. They just want to have told somebody. Yeah. And they found that they can just have basically an an ear to listen to the story. It's what a lot of people just need, which we're happy to to take on and just talk to anyone that messes us. Yeah, I think it's really important actually because if somebody does see something really weird. A lot of people can't talk to their family or friends or work colleagues about it because yeah. they're worried that they're going to be found to be crazy or something. Um, and I, I've found that a lot of people, when I speak to them, because I, I always pester people, everybody I've nearly ever met, I'll say, have you ever seen anything weird or have you seen a ghost? <laughs> and they always come back with something. And then they say, I've never told anybody that before because I didn't want to appear like I was a nutter. Um, so it is, it's a really important thing, actually. It's almost like paranormal therapy. It is. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And some some of the people that we've spoken to, because we, we do it via Zoom and we can see 
their faces a lot of the time um is it's quite an eye-opener that the, the listeners of the podcast don't see but you can actually see the sort of the anguish on the people's faces when they're telling you their account of things um and that yeah. doesn't come across necessarily in the podcast especially when they're talking about a subject that uh, and an experience that seems to be completely alien for want of a better phrase <laughs> um to the norm mm. um but yeah we we you can see the pain in people's faces when they're talking about stuff and it's it, it's nice for them to be able to talk to us and it it does get like you say a bit of therapy for them sometimes that they're just able to share it we i know you you mentioned and asked about um popularity and, and why do you think we've been successful or been popular should i say um we never make a judgment on the podcast we just let the person tell the story we don't wrap up at the end and say oh i did believe that i didn't believe that or that was fake or that's it, it wasn't a normal bit was something else we just literally have the conversation and let people make their own mind up um, yeah because some of the stuff we've we've heard and, and people have talked to us about um like i said if only one percent of it was true even then it's absolutely mind-blowing yeah yeah um ah. now i my next question on my list is uh quite a, a big question really you cover a lot of subjects in your show which i really like so each episode has almost got something for everybody so there's a lot of variety um and so you are interested in ufos and ghosts and cryptids um so i'm going to say this to ash first if you could go anywhere in the world to hunt for a particular ufo cryptid or ghost where would you like to go well i think as i mentioned uh not not too long ago um it's been a lifetime dream of mine to get down to suffolk down to windersman forest uh, for the 20 odd years and last week uh, I was able to get down there and that would even now uh, you know I've just been there that would be my location just wow, the history, still, just the, yeah yeah still just the history of the area not just with the UFO when the Shum incident which is the most famous one yeah but there's there's like thousands of years of paranormal history of tales going back like say hundreds of years the whole area Suffolk Norfolk is just I think it's known as the most haunted county or something like that, because the the, the the law that goes back, just to explore and be in these places where these stories have been around hundreds of years, and just like being in the Shum Forest, where the Wendersham UFO incident happened, which just, it felt like it was a privilege to be there. And now I'm back home in Manchester. If I could be anywhere, looking for UFOs, looking for any of the spirits or other things that have been seen down in Suffolk, I, I'd want to be back there tomorrow. That's where I would choose to All go. Right. So you plan on returning then, do you? Definitely. Definitely. 100%. Even despite those dangerous wild chihuahuas. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I can't say that without asking you to explain to the listeners what this story is. And I realise I do not want to belittle the, you know, the fantastic Rendlesham Forest. But I yeah. so enjoyed listening to your podcast. <laughs> um, so can you just tell us a, li a little about the, the Wild Chihuahua incident? So, yeah, so this <laughs> happened on the, <laughs> on, the last night, <laughs> on the last night of our trip. <laughs> this, is uh, this was a week ago today, actually. No, a week ago tomorrow. No, it isn't. It's a week ago tonight. So this happened literally almost a week to the day when we're recording this. Um, so we've been doing a nighttime investigation in middle of Wendersman Forest. We're in a bit of forest that's in between the two RF bases, the Bentwaters and, and Woodbridge. Yeah. Been there for a couple of hours, done a couple of EVP sessions, had the camera set up, stargaze, a bit of beautiful night, no clouds whatsoever. Really dark, you can see the Milky Way there, it's a beautiful place in the middle of this forest. Uh, knocking around us whatsoever, no lights, no other cars, no other people, just us and the, the wildlife. And nothing happens, we didn't see anything, we just sort of enjoyed being in the forest. So we headed back to the car about a mile walk from where we were in the forest. Headed back to the car, felt completely fine. Like I said before, I felt really comfortable, didn't feel creeped out. There's only two of us. And in them situations where I'm in the middle of the forest on our own, 
at night and be a bit vulnerable, feel a bit like on edge, but I felt completely fine the whole time. Yeah. Then we get back to the car, start packing up and just started getting this feeling of really being uncomfortable. I started, you started feeling the atmosphere change. It just felt like I didn't want to be here anymore. So I was like, with me partner, Jamie, I was like, let's just pack the car up and just, just go. Got in the car, locked the doors. And that's how like uncomfortable I felt like, I felt like something was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I put the headlights on, start driving out, and I just had the urge just to leave. Like something was like like similar to what I had at Castle uh, Castle Ring kind of chase where it was the the feeling was just let's just get out of here. Just don't want to be in this location anymore. Yeah. So we just thought I was gonna leave driving in the car. So we start driving out. I'm hearing some noise on the top of the roof. Like something had either fell off or fell onto the car. But there's nothing around at all. We got we had a quick look, couldn't find anything. Um, carried on driving and it's these country roads you haven't seen a car a person a light nothing for a long time while driving all of a sudden I've got my high beams on obviously these country roads that are all twisty turny but all of a sudden there's a chihuahua in the middle of the road <laughs> we are in the middle of nowhere and there's a chihuahua just in the middle of the road it runs to the side stays there and my partner's like was that a chihuahua and I was like <laughs> I think that's a chihuahua. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, and I, my dash cam recorded it, recorded our reaction to it, which is what you're referencing because we did it on the show this week. Yeah. And we played the dash cam footage of us reacting to seeing this chihuahua. Um, and yeah, it's just the most surreal um, moment of just like, 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 like Greg said on the podcast, like if it was a, like a bigger dog, a working dog, I'll say some German Shepherds, something that you might see on a farm that might be from somewhere nearby. Maybe yeah. that'd be too unusual to have seen a dog, but to see a chihuahua, a little tiny thing in the middle of the road, <laughs> literally in the middle of nowhere, miles from anywhere. Yeah. Really, really weird. And 99% of the time, I'd have stopped and tried to help and try to get in the car, whatever, try and find out where it came from. Because we had this urge to leave, I just didn't want to stop. I felt like this was put there to make me stop yeah like something was tricking you sort of yeah like even on the dash cam like we talk about like when you hear dash cam footage you hear me say if it even existed in the first place like yeah straight away i was thinking did that just happened did that does did this dog actually exist this, or this that's so that, random isn't it a chihuahua really, really of all dogs <laughs> i don't know anyone's got a chihuahua it's just really <laughs> Yeah, so either there's a poor chihuahua starving to death in Rendlesham Forest, yeah. or there was some kind of um, scary entity trying to trick you into stopping, which is, that is really quite freaky. Yeah, and like, I, was, I was fighting the natural urge to help against the unnatural urge to get out, get the hell out of there, and I followed the flight yeah. the side, side of my body at the time just to get out of there. Wow. That's brilliant. That's really, I love that story. It was brilliant. <laughs> it was just when your partner was going, wild chihuahua. It just made, <laughs> cracked me up. It was brilliant. So that. I'm going to ask the same question to you, Greg. If you could go anywhere in the world to search for any type of paranormal thing, where would you go and what would it be? Um, would it have to be present day? So could I go... Um, yeah, you can go anywhere you want. So I'd love to go back to 1977 um, to have a look around the Enfield house. Ah, uh, yeah. That would be an absolute dream of mine because it was so well documented just to cast eyes on the exact things that were happening. Um, so that would be for sort of the paranormal side, uh, side of things. Um, and I do have an interest in UFOs as well. It's more ashes sort of expertise and an area of skill but I've been fortunate enough to to go out to Vegas a couple of times oh, and yeah. I've been out to Area 51 um, twice and I would love to we've only been there sort of for about an hour at a time and I would just love to do an, like an overnight sky watch from um, the, the sort of where the camo dudes are at Area 51 I think that would be amazing yeah um, that would be incredible. I'd love to go there too. One oh. other place, I'm being greedy now. One other place <laughs> is I would love to go to see John Edmonds at a Stardust Ranch 
um we've done an episode on on him and that place that that's like the one percent that ash was saying if one percent of that actually happened or is happening yeah mind-blowing so i'd love to go and spend like a, a weekend with john because he, he's such a nice guy and just to see if anything happens yeah yeah because yeah. i i feel the same about skinwalker ranch but to be absolutely uh, truthful i don't know so much about stardust ranch um but and you were saying that you thought stardust ranch was actually more interesting than skinwalker why is that so skinwalker um I mean, not a, a lot of people know the story about Skinwalker Ranch, and it, it's it's loads of films about it. There's loads of books about it. It's been um, talked about a lot, and there's a TV program out about it on Discovery Channel where they sort of drip feed each episode, and not a lot's happened. But at the end of each episode, something seems to catch you as a cliffhanger for the next episode um whereas stardust ranch is like skinwalker ranch on acid this guy wow. um has claimed to have killed 19 aliens with a samurai sword wow um, yeah and it, he's um sent off sp uh, like um bits of flesh to have it dna tested <gasps> um his wife gets abducted on a regular basis and he has to chain her to the bed. So it's just, and portals open up. Um, he's shot at UFOs with an AK-47 and the, oh the whole story. Men in black, but not like your typical men in black. He's having pe like police officers turn up with like black tape over their badges. And so it's... That's really? crazy stuff. So, as yeah. he said, what what's come back from the DNA of the flesh and the skin and things? Yeah, what, it came what? back. Uh, it's the, you can see the results on his website, and um, like sent off to this university, uh, and it came back as like some sort of not unknown substance. It's like a combination of like plant and sort of animal DNA, but no actual like other DNA. And interestingly, and this is like fact. Is the guy that did DNA testing was died like not long after this uh these DNA. He's like a university professor where he mm -hmm. sent it off to university. And then the guy that did the, the testing, the, the scientist, he died. Um so it's all like sort of these stories that come in where like tales that happen when people go missing and people that yeah. sort of know know something. Uh, disappear. Mm -hmm. And interesting as well about uh, Stardust is this this was from before sort of skinwalker got popular yeah and john makes a claim that bob bigelow tried to buy his ranch as well uh, like before and then because he couldn't buy stardust ranch he then went and bought skinwalker uh -huh. and he, he john john edmonds who owns stardust his claim is that he's basically taking what's happened at stardust and had it happen at skinwalker so that's like the claim that john has that he got like that's where it all came from was from his ranch before skinwalker mm -hmm. So that he actually took it and things are happening at Skinwalker or that Skinwalker is a fake Stardust? Well, I think from John's opinion, I think he's basically took what's happened at Stardust and made it happen at Skinwalker. Oh, right, yeah. Um, but again, it's open to what people's beliefs are. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you can't deny some of the stuff that's happened at Skinwalker uh, from like mm -hmm. Bob Biglow and the some of the more newer stuff as well. And the shapeshifters, I find them fascinating. The shapeshifters that are supposed to be there. Um, yes, John, John at Stardust Ranch, he claims to be in regular contact with multiple races and species of alien as well. Um, and he talks talked to us all about that, um, that a lot of them are celebrities. Um, he wouldn't name them, but he said you, you would know who these people are. They don't go around telling you that they are who they are, but um, he interacts with a lot of them. He hates the, the grey aliens, and that's they're the evil ones, and he's the one that goes around killing them. Um, yes, absolutely incredible story. Yeah, well, yeah. He's, not, he's not changed his story for decades. No, yeah. said this has happened and stopped um, my and when you were talking about getting guests for the show, it, it took, I wanted to get John on the show for months and months and months. And it took about six months for us to get him 
um, to even get him to reply to a message. I was almost stalking his Facebook page uh, and commenting when I could just to get him to, to come on. And yeah. It all, it all happened. He like messaged me and said, yeah, let's do it now. And I was like, oh, I need a, I need a couple of hours because <laughs> I had to get Ash involved. And then we're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, going to be chat to John. And yeah. Yeah. So we managed to get it and he doesn't have proper internet. He's like got a landline in an office in Arizona and we had to figure out how we were going to record it. And we had like hours to to try and figure out all the to technical. To try and figure it out. Yeah. 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 Wow. So how exciting. He said yeah. he sounds very much down the kind of David Dyke sort of path. Mm hmm. Yeah. He's John's very matter of fact. Um, and he he doesn't like Ash said he doesn't change his story at all it is what it is and he says if you don't believe me he doesn't care yeah um so he he has his belief about what's happening and if you don't believe him he he's not first he just tells his account of things and um I've, i think we both found him to be very genuine in what he was saying he definitely yeah. believes what he's saying. Um, and yeah, he's never once changed his story, despite pressure, I think. He's had ghost adventures. They've done investigations at Stardust Ranch and found weird stuff. And Yeah. 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 So. It's, wow. Um, That's really, yeah. I'm going to have to look into that now. That's fascinating. So it staying. It's great. Staying on the, uh, the, the uh, idea of UFOs now. Um, I've got a couple of little questions here, um, she says, which will probably take about half an hour each to talk about. I mustn't talk about everything in the world, but it's hard not to because it's so <laughs> interesting talking to people who are interested in the same things. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, being a school teacher, I don't get much of that at work. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> um, people are seeing and reading into all sorts of strange photos that we're seeing from the Mars rover. Do you think the Mars rover is actually seeing, um, you know, uh, aliens, or do you think it's just the cameras playing tricks on the eyes? Ash, what do you think? Yeah, one hundred percent. It's um, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything on Mars, not on the surface anyway. It's a lot of time. It's just shadows and on the rocks and uh, it, like even camera artifacts from like the sun or whatever. Um, and people try to find stuff in pictures that aren't there. There's certain people on websites that will look for stuff. And even though it's clearly nothing, they're trying to make it out to be something else uh, for whatever reason. But when I've seen a lot, when I start, like, I've seen a lot of these pictures and claims that are coming out, and it, it's, it's no, I don't think there's anything to it personally. I think it, yeah. it is a barren planet. I don't think there's. If there's something there millions of years ago, if there's underground, obviously we don't know, but on the surface at least there's there's nothing to do. I like take the, the face on Mars, for example, that was like came quite popular in the nineties, um, where it looked like a human face on Mars. Yeah. But when you look at it from a different angle with different shadows, it's nothing. It's just mountains. Yeah. I think that just that's just how these objects look like there's a soldier with a gun or bases and stuff. Like you see the buildings or bridges. It's to me, it's just shadows and rocks. That's that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. And so, Greg, what do you think about the um, the Pentagon coming out and saying basically, oh, we have actually seen UFOs and the Tic Tac videos? What's your view on all of that? Um, I find it, I find it fascinating. I do find um, that it's it's pushed it into more mainstream. Um, yeah. We, we, me and Ash talk about this kind of stuff, and as it, even though it's more Ash's sort of expertise from like a normal person, I call myself, uh, dealing with and talking about UFO stuff, um, I think it's been great. I know they come out, they didn't really say a massive amount apart from we don't know what a certain percentage is. Yeah. Um, it's not foreign adversaries. We need more money to investigate it properly. Um, but I think that. That speaks volumes. They haven't come out and said uh, it's swamp gas or we know what it is. They've actually, a part yeah. of them, have said we're not entirely sure what some of it is. Um, and I, I 
I find that better than saying it's nothing. So clearly there is something out there. And I think with the amount of footage that's out there now, the Tic Tac one is, is a classic, like a modern classic, really. And I think that has really pushed out to the masses. Um, and I think the Pentagon report has, again, pushed pushed sort of di disclosure closer, but I don't think we'll ever necessarily get that. But Yeah. Do you think it, it could be possible, I'll um, ask Ash this one, could it be possible that there are maybe even private businesses out there who have managed to engineer um, craft that are even unknown to the highest government levels? Or do you think it is actually something from, you know, as in an alien type craft that, that we're seeing? I think in terms of like private businesses, I think on that side of things, it would be government funded private businesses. Yeah. Uh, I think government will know if anyone's creating these crafts or, or like I say, are have craft or back engineering alien craft, as you say. Uh, I think the, because once it goes to a private company, it then doesn't fall under freedom of information. Uh, it can all be kept private. Yeah. So when they, when they, when they like, just give the work to Bigelow or Northrop or whoever they're going to use to develop these planes, these crafts, it'll all be kept private. And I'm, like, like I say, with the reports in there coming out saying UFOs are real, uh, but it'd be full disclosure. If they did say we've got these crafts, if they then release these crafts in the future, that are either theirs or they're found from somewhere else. I think there's always going to be doubt. There's always going to be questions because the government's lied basically for 70 years. They've always yeah. denied everything. They said they haven't investigated it. And then 10 years later, oh, yeah, we were investigating it. So when it comes to them actually giving us full, actual, proper information, not just, oh, I don't know what it is, when they give us something that's actually tangible, there's going to be doubt because how do you know they're not lying then? Yeah, they've been lying in the past, so why are they suddenly telling the truth? If disclosure in whatever form that may be comes, how can we even then know that this is the truth? Because why are they now suddenly can we trust the US government to tell us what's happening? Yeah, so I think I think there is. I think we it, someone has these crafts. I think I I do believe that there has been crash recoveries in the past of non, I guess non-human, probably the best word. Yeah. Um, and I do believe we do have these vehicles somewhere, uh, but I don't think we'll ever know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know that um, people often sort of muse about the fact that it would be quite incredible for um, creatures to come from millions of light years away, um, maybe through black holes or wormholes, things like that. And I know that um, it's quite a popular belief. Some people believe, without <laughs> without me sounding like the ancient aliens, man. Um, some people believe that um, actually they've been here the whole time. I mean, obviously, there's, there seems to be quite a lot of evidence dating right back towards the the Mayans and before, and they've actually been here the whole time, and they they actually managed to hide. I guess the word might be under the sea and in mountains and things like that. What do you think about that sort of theory? Yeah, I think this is something that we we sort of discussed as well. And that's why I sort of say non-human rather than saying like from space or from extraterrestrial because you don't know where they're coming from. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of train of thoughts that we've sort of talked about that, like I say, 12 months ago, I'd have been like, what are you talking about? Whereas now I'm like, oh, that could be a thing. Uh, it's like yeah. I say, under the water, uh, lots like with, with the TikTok videos that was based around something being seen in the water initially. Uh, there's been lots of reports of UFOs coming out of the water or going into the water where they, they come USOs. Uh, so I think there's definitely a possibility that there's, like I say, the, the, the amount of water that's on the planet is ridiculous and the caves that are underwater and the mountains that are under the water, it could, yeah. be, it could be anywhere. And the one of the other possibilities that we've talked on the show quite a bit is interdimensional where they're here, but we're just not aware of them unless they show them to us. Yeah. 
It's like the like sort of like two D presences aren't aware of us in the three D world. Yeah. But we can see them. And as they go up the dimensions, they can see us but we can't see them unless they make themselves visible, which could explain some of the sightings. Uh, there's a there's a trickster element that some people talk about and uh, where they like playing a joke where they'd be like joyriding uh creatures or ultra humans from a different dimension where they playing a joke on us and they make themselves appear so they can see us for a minute and then go again. Uh, so sort of like having a joke, having a play around with us because they yeah. can. Um Do you know I really like that theory actually. Um and I hadn't really thought about that, but I think that that could explain lots of other things as well. Um, I've got two, um, I know you were talking to Craig Bryant um, and he's got a story um, similar to one that my friend's got. And when I told him the story, he said, um, I've got a friend who's told me that story as well. And it was practically word for word. And it was basically about the fact that um, these two different people at different times in different places, both saw in their houses, um, they caught a small kind of almost like a gnome or um, elf brown kind of wizened elf type creature um, in their house. And when they walked in and saw it, the the creature literally kind of unzipped the, well, the, I don't know, the ether and disappeared and kind of zipped it back down again. And these two separate people said exactly the same thing. And I find that absolutely mind boggling. Um, Have you ever seen, uh, there's an American program called Fringe. If you ever watched it, you should watch it because they um, it's kind of like a, a quirky paranormal kind of detective program with this kind of mad scientist. And it's brilliant. And um, they are, are kind of um, thinking about the theory of parallel dimensions and, and what would happen if this happened and that happened. Um, but that sort of thing absolutely boggles my mind. My mind can't seem to understand how that would work yeah i think um the parallel dimensions parallel universes is something that we have spoken to a few people about uh over the the months we've been doing the the podcast and it is something that seems to come up and it would explain a lot of paranormal stuff um some of the evps could be interdimensional people um, talking and you're actually hearing them so there's not a ghost as such in a particular area that it's it's another dimensional being um, and like I said I wouldn't have been open to any of that last year but now we've been talking to more and more people and there's yeah. a lot of links between UFOs and and the paranormal that it's it's not actually beyond the realms of possibility in my head anymore that yeah. that, that that wasn't a thing but Definitely could be. Yeah. So it sort of makes sense, like when you actually put the feet pieces together. Like, like yeah. it makes a lot more sense that something can come from like doing parallel dimensions that we're not aware of than something traveling these billions of miles that's going to take millions of years to come from the nearest star system or whatever. I think it just makes more sense that you are already here in one way or another. Now, yeah. it's like Greg started explaining. And like, like with, with the story told, then about like it sort of unzipping the world and disappearing yeah that, like explain portals and things mm-hmm. if they're able to utilize portals yeah. if they're advanced whatever then it would explain a hell of a lot of things that i've seen all over the world yeah definitely and it would explain all the missing objects in my house as well <laughs> um which i've got lots of stories about i started yeah. off thinking it was just me but um there were two particular incidents that happened right in front of my eyes um, basically, one of them was to, to cut it really short that my slippers uh, went missing and reappeared right in front of my eyes, and I literally just stood there going, "This can't be happening! <laughs> this can't be happening! This doesn't happen!" Um, and I ended up stood there talking to the ether um, yeah. as as if somebody was in the room with me that I couldn't see. But it really has opened my eyes. I think it's absolutely fascinating. And and that again that 
that sort of comes back to the trickster element where they're they can play tricks or sort of play with us. They steal your slippers, like so. That's what they're doing. It's like someone having a laugh on yeah. their side of their universe or their dimension. I think I would have got carted off to the loony bin if anybody had heard me, though, because uh, <laughs> I was stood in the middle of the bedroom pointing my finger going, I saw you, I saw you, you cannot tell me that I'm going mad, I saw that, <laughs> wow, wow. shouting out. Right, so just before we finish then, um, we've touched on it a couple of times, but I am really, really interested and I'm going to direct this towards Greg about I'm really interested in poltergeists. And um, of course, the three most famous cases are the Enfield poltergeist, um, 30 East Drive and the Battersea poltergeist. Um, one in the 50s, one in the 60s, one in the 70s, um, but all centering around um, sort of pu- pre-pubescent or pubescent girls going through puberty um and i just find that so interesting um i was actually listening to i don't know if you've listened to the danny robbins podcast on bbc sounds as well um and obviously the one that you did too so greg what what do you think is going on what is a poltergeist what's going on there that is a good question so i do think it can be a manifestation of the energies that are happening in that particular household. So like you mentioned, it all seems to center around and all begins when a girl of the house starts to go through puberty. So they tend to be between 13 and and 16 years old. Um, Some of them have had, there doesn't appear to be like a a father figure issue because the Enfield case, they didn't, there wasn't, the dad wasn't in the picture in the house, but yeah. Batsy one there was. Um, but it it always seems to be a spirit of a gentleman. We were talking about it on the, on the podcast yesterday, that it seems to be a gentleman or like tries to be this almost stalkerish kind of activity. It, it starts off yeah. with banging and knocking and then escalates right up and, with the Enfield one, they, this character was talking through Janet on the yeah. sofa, which, when you look at the the documentaries on YouTube, is particularly disturbing. Yeah. Um, but I think it's either a genuine spirit that's come come from somewhere, or it's just the manifestation of this sort of weird hormonal energy in the house. Um, I, I don't really know. It's so yeah. fascinating, but they always seem that common theme is it's the prepubescent or girl that's going through puberty. This the the poltergeist appears to always be a man. I don't yeah. know why why yeah. that is. Um, yeah, it's. It is fascinating. So fascinating. With East Drive as well, that seems to Mm. have kind of, it's almost like um, the energy has attracted other dark energies. Um, Because a lot of people, even now, um, you know, go there and have really, really scary um, nights in there. Have you been? Have you ever been? Yeah, I've been there. Um, I'd love to go. Yeah, I mean, a few strange things happened but not to the extent that you see some of the the people on social media saying that stuff has happened we experienced some doors opening um some of the light up cat walls lit up in in the rooms um but then i've seen footage of 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 cameras tipping over and there's a classic photo of like a um a dark um sort of entity or shadow figure coming up the stairs um the 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 downside to that particular property is when most haunted went in there they'd done a, yeah. a live halloween thing and it was a shambles to be fair um well yvette was trying a... to wind up whatever was there wasn't she um, yeah which is then, a shame really. yeah and, uh, i know they have to there's certain things that certain programs do to get ratings 
so I get that. Um, but 30th Drive, I, I would love to go there again. Definitely would. Um, maybe not as part of a group. I went, uh, there was about eight or ten people. Yeah. Um, I didn't find it particularly scary, but it's such a, a fascinating place. And like you say, it's one of the, the main sort of poltergeist locations in the UK. Um, it's definitely interesting. Definitely yeah, interesting place. It really is. Well, um, I think I'm going to let you both have a rest now because I have grilled you for quite a long time now, but it's been so interesting. Um, I've really, really enjoyed it, actually, and I'd really like to um, chat to you again in the future, if that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Most definitely. You have to come on and talk about your experiences on our podcast. So. Oh, that would be lovely. Um, I'm okay. afraid, uh, yeah, you might regret that because once I get talking... That's it. <laughs> you might have to edit that's me good. out. <laughs> that's good. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, so before we go, can um, one of you or both of you um, tell the listeners where can we find your podcast um, and any other um, you know, Facebook pages, YouTube, things like that? Where, where, where do we find Pursuit of the Paranormal? Yeah, well, the website is pursuitoftheparanormal.co.uk. You can listen to the episodes on there, or you can find us on any of the podcast platforms. We're on most of them, Apple, Spotify, Google. Anyway, you get your podcast, you can find us. Like I say, we've got Facebook. Just go facebook.com slash pursuitoftheparanormal, and it's the same on Instagram as well. So just send us a message, whatever, get in touch, like our page, and we'll, we'll be there. Brilliant. And can you give us any sneak previews about what's coming up in the future? Uh, yeah, so we've got an episode coming up where we speak to a gentleman called James Gilliland, um, another kind of ranch place called the Isetti Ranch in America, um, and it's at the base of a mountain called Mount Adams, and mysterious lights and craft come out and have been videoed multiple times, been broadcast on TV. Um, lots of strange things happening so we're just organizing a convenient date and time to speak to him um, to talk about all the stuff that's going on there um, so yeah we've also uh, got updates on uh, paranormal things that are going on with my team in Oxfordshire that I gave an update about yesterday so we're going to be following that through Ash has got some UFO related activities coming up soon as well from one of the other pages that he runs so we've got loads coming up that we will will share okay that's fantastic and yeah just um tell us quickly about the um ufo minicon ash yeah so um the ufo identified that called uk is my website that i've been running for around 18 months we built up quite a community in the northwest of england uh, so with obviously covid restrictions covid we thought we'd put on a live night and that's snowballed into a full day ufo conference we've got four speakers we've got a bar we've got stores we've got tables we've got book signings we've got raffles and we've got food being provided and there's limited tickets left that's on the 9th of october in preston so if anyone's interested in getting a ticket it's www.ufoidentified.co.uk forward slash minicon and tickets are 15 pounds that's an all day conference in preston Brilliant. It's a shame I live in the South. Oh, well. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. And um, I really hope to speak to you both again. And uh, take care. And I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, it's been thank great. You very thank much. you. Well, thanks very much to Ash and Greg. That was a really fun interview. I really enjoyed chatting to you and I can't wait to chat to you again in the future. In fact, we might even be able to meet up considering we're in the same country. That would be fantastic. So, listen everybody, if you have any paranormal stories to share, please email them to me at paranormalorwhatpodcast at outlook.com. 
I really want to try and do a few episodes where I have listeners' stories on. And at the moment, I'm afraid I don't have any. So come on, get recording on your phone and send them to me. Alternatively, you can send your voice messages to anchor.fm forward slash paranormal or what podcast forward slash message. Um, the other thing I was going to say, I had a bit of a blip there, was don't forget to rate and review the podcast for me. Remember to give it five stars if you like it. I really depend on those five star ratings for boosting the listenership for the show. Well, that's about it for tonight. Thanks for tuning in and keep it spooky. I look forward to snuggling down with you in the future. Two weeks from now, don't forget, we're on every first and third Thursday of the month. So, I hope you enjoyed the evening show. I really enjoyed sitting down and nattering with you all. Okay, take care and don't forget, together we can figure it out. Good night. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.